Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of House of X, The House That Xavier Built, released by Marvel Comics on July 24th, 2019. Your creative team on this comic is writer Jonathan Hickman, your penciler and inkler, inker is Pepe Larraz, you have a colorist of Martin Garcia, and you have a you have letters of virtual calligraphy and Clayton Clouds. So this is your spoiler alert for House of X number one. And this is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host Noah. Hey there. So Noah, before we take our deep dive and we bring up our slides and we talk about this, why don't you uh, lead us off with your initial thoughts on House of X uh, number one? Yeah, I love it. It's got a great creepy sci-fi vibe going for it. And I really love that. Hickman's the best at writing that kind of stuff, I find. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love it. What about you? What's your initial thoughts? I am pretty much with most of the reviews that I've seen. I am I'm very excited. I am very uh, pulled in by this first issue. It has Lots of questions, not a lot of answers, and new setups, and I just want to see how it develops. So I'm I'm pretty excited, um, and I think we've talked about Hickman before. But if anybody knows that uh, I'm a big Hickman fan, so I'm pretty pretty excited about this. Yeah, and I've I've read a lot of Hickman, but not as much, not like everything. But you know, I, I've read a couple of his Marvel things, a lot of his Marvel stuff, and a lot of his Image stuff, and I, I love that stuff, and it's. He's a, he's an amazing writer with a very unique style. So I, and he brought this style to X Men, and it and it, it translated beautifully uh, to the the storyline. Yeah, um, and I yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was done. No, so I think one thing that's very interesting is when we when we open up this book, um, we are we instantly know that we're in a Hickman book. We we instantly go to the the infograph page, and the first page is very. Uh, very sparse, but we, we know what we're getting into. Anybody who's read a Hickman comic. Yeah, because Hickman's, as we covered in one of the episodes, Hickman's a graphic designer by trade, so he mm-hmm. fills his worlds with these great this great language of sorts. He did that most recently on Black Monday, and uh, he does it in East of West as well, where he just, you know, he, he really draws upon his design background to fill in the world. And he did that with this as well. Right when, you know, the X-Men universe couldn't get more complicated hickman adds another level of complication onto it by writing a whole new language for the the x-men to speak in for this this series um but it it's not the point where like it feels convoluted or you know overly complicated it serves the purpose to the storyline completely like oh it always does in a hickman book so yeah yeah, so I think one thing that's interesting is you know like the the Stanley com or the Stanley like comment that are it's actually I think I'm I'm incorrect there I think it's like the Jim Shooter comment that like every comic is somebody's first comic so right. that you need to like uh, you need to like introduce the characters and that's like a lot of times where you get the I Magneto the leader of the evil mutants am here to tell you Wolverine why I am going to attack your school for gifted youngsters like we don't get any of that like no. we get the infograph page and then we get um we get basically two pages with very little with very little dialogue um so 
if you can, do you want to, um, do you want to bring up? Yeah, I'll bring up the slides. I don't actually have the, the first infographic page. I'm just jumping straight into the story. So I'm glad you covered that. Yeah. Well, the Um, first info, the first infographic, um, is very sparse, but, um, yeah, but here we, we, we start off and we, we have very little dialogue. Um, but we, but we see, we see, uh, we see some things being hatched. Um, and we see we see this figure here, and then we get the classic to me my x men um but what do you think about these first two pages that we see here after the infograph yeah I, I love the creepy vibe that you're getting off of this. you know this is sort of the you know this immediately invokes imagery from like invasion of the body snatchers and things mm-hmm. you know well, you have this first very cosmic plant growing in the you know um, on our earth as we know it. And then from this tree grows, uh, these pods where Xavier stands above these two people coming out of, uh, emerging from the pods. One of them, I don't have the panel in here, but one of them's eyes glow like Cyclops's eyes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, you get these, this very creepy science fiction vibe. It reminds me of annihilation meets, uh, um, invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, so you've got this very unsettling sequence starting it off, which makes you doubt the reality of um, Krakoa, which is the world that uh, the X-Men want to, sorry, not the world, but sort of the country or the nation that Charles Xavier wants to make a sovereign nation so that they, the mutants and humans can finally live in, in harmony. Um, but as we'll find out later, he has more to offer than just a, a new nation. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that is a throwback to like early X Men. I think there was a living island of Krakoa that, like, uh, in those early X Men issues, that um, was like a key like battleground or fighting point. So, like, I, I feel like this is a little bit of a um, Marvel Universe throwback uh, to have have the same island. Yeah, and I was just actually complaining about the movies. Um, I didn't see the new Dark Phoenix or anything like that, but I, I have my one of my best friends did, and she was just you know hated it, you know, and she's a huge fan of the films, huge fan of the comics, especially the older ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I didn't want to go see it is that just from the trailers, I just couldn't take another X Men film that's terrestrial, you know, um, or you know based on just sort of like urban scenarios and stuff like that with the military and all that. Like I really wanted to see the exotic locations from X-Men comics. And so right. when I opened this book and it like immediately it sticks you to like one of those exotic locations that are sort of common in X-Men books, I was very happy about that. Um, that like, this is really a, a comic that's taking you out of uh, sort of the urban environment that most superhero books, you know, can like, you know, take place in like, this is really elevating the story to this new level of science fiction that I love. Yeah. And so in the history of Marvel comics, there's always been this sort of like upswing and downswing with like the number of mutants that they have. So like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you would have those early, um, Marvel like, uh, Kirby and, um, Lee books where like mutants were mutants were showing up and then you had like the Grant Morrison where like a ton more mutants showed up but then you had House of M where um 
the Scarlet Witch says no more mutants. And then you like, you go down to the, the 198 um, remaining mutants. So this is like, uh, this, this helps with that sort of like upswing and downswing. So now we're like, we're swinging back up where we have the possibility of so many more mutants showing up. Yeah. And they mentioned the house of M uh, event later in the comic through one of the infographs. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, yeah, this is Xavier in shadow here with uh, the Cerebro helmet constantly on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you cut to this, uh, this, this great sequence, I think, of um, just little vignettes of different characters um, at different parts of the globe. Um, I just sort of like these simple, you know, sequence of these characters. You never see their faces. It's just these nice little vignettes. You know who they are, but like, you know, it's cool to see this. And uh, these plants, they'll explain what these are. Um, and how they relate to everything once we introduce sort of the antagonists. Um, yeah. yeah. So we've talked a lot about like page design, but like these two yeah. pages right here, these are like solid beats, like yeah, one, two, three, four through eight, where we're like, we're in different locations, we're with different people and um, you know, we're progressing through time. So like, um, you know, as I've said, we, we've talked about page design, we've talked about beats, but this is like consistent, like let's move through time, location, and, and move the story along. So these, these, are, these are pretty great. Yeah, I love these vignettes. And um, this, this just highlights uh, how well um, Pepe Larraz, and what was it, uh, Garcia? Is that, is that the colorist? Um, yeah, it's, um, I think it's Marte Garcia. Marte Garcia, they just work beautifully in this book. It's just, it's, it's, you got, you have these understated panels, but then you'll, you'll get these great, not splash pages. There's not a splash page in the whole issue or a double page spread or anything like that, but these sort of half pages where you get these great um, moments of just beautiful color and line. Um, here's more of those moments. These are the two, uh, two of the, the, the twins that we'll meet. Leia just about to come up. Um, but right there, we were talking about this offline. That looks like triplets right there. That is true. Walking into the yeah. building. Yeah, and we, we talk, you had talked about that. There, there are triplets that hang out with Emma Frost normally. So Emma yeah. Frost could be in there, and she could be – she's not in this issue, but she could definitely be in Powers of X. And I have seen her on the promotional stuff. So, Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Um, how much do you think the fact that it's set in Jerusalem is a coincidence, or do you think that that's a little sort of like a nod to like uh, um, like a modern religion, which we'll touch on probably when we get to that last page? I think it definitely is a, a heavy-handed, um, I guess, metaphorical, you know, location. You mm-hmm. know, being a holy city uh jerusalem being the like you know basically the religious capital for three different religions you know that's and then of course now it's going to be the fourth as magneto will explain later yeah we'll um, get to that at the end yeah i like i like these this is this is this is the end of uh i think one of the pages and this is the the top of the next page i just sort of like you know what's the difference kind of panels you know <laughs> of course it's obvious what the difference is but yeah i like i just like panels like that um i love uh Again, I just, I like, uh, 
right here, you know, you get this mixture of different plant life from different areas. So you can tell it's like, you know, not of this earth. There's something unnatural here. Again, kind of like annihilation. Mm -hmm. For annihilation, they talk about like the splicing of different plants and that just sort of shows maybe something more cosmic going on. So I think, I think there might be a cosmic answer to certain things in this, but I'm, I'm reserving it. It might be mutant, all mutant based. I don't know. Yeah. And as yeah. far as like uh comic storytelling goes, is like uh, the panel where there's like very little vegetation is the last page. And then there's the page turn and the vegetation is, is full and we're in the now. So that's like the, that's another thing that you can only do in comics. Yeah. Um, I guess you could do it in a movie uh, with like a, like a, like a splice cut or like, or really quick, but like that page turn is like, it's a great page turn. It's a way to like convey time um, that is yeah. done in comics really well. And this, this book has been, was great. I, I mean, I read it on my, my phone, but even then like, you know, panel to panel on the Marvel insider app was pretty great experience reading it. Um, you know, this, this book is, was sort of written so that it could be enjoyed no matter how you were reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that introduces our, our some, uh, I don't know if they're antagonists or, or what, yeah, but these ambassadors from Earth visiting Krakoa and um, Magneto and the, the twins are sort of touring them around the, the new nation. Um, more, in, like, you know, more vegetation growing inside, growing around the architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and then Magneto, of course, is introduced in his cool white, white outfit. Um, I really like this costume. What do you think of it? Yeah, I I, I like it. Um, you know, the problem with Magneto is it's like you have to play that um, you have to play that uh, double-edged sword where he's like an old guy, but he's also still a powerful guy. And th they do it really well here, like yeah. with this. Like, um, you know, he 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 appears really powerful. Um, we don't see a lot of his face here with, with the helmet and anybody who knows an X-Men comic knows like uh, the history of Magneto. Um, so they, they do show him as a really powerful figure here, which is yeah. sometimes difficult to do with somebody who should be what in his nineties, if he's well, close to a hundred at this point, if he's aging yeah. correctly. So um I, they, they do a really great job and, you know, it's almost like that, uh, James Bond villain moment where he's like in his lair, he's got, you know, he's got a waterfall behind him. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's standing on a platform. He's got two beautiful women around him and he's sort of like holding court. Um, so it's, 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 it's striking on so many levels. Yeah, and um, we could definitely do a whole episode breaking down any one of the pages in this issue. I don't have very many on this slide just because I don't want the video to be taken down. Um, so I don't have very many full pages on here. Mm -hmm. um, but the the composition just on this panel alone, all these guiding lines around the characters and how it moves your eye left to right is really beautiful. I, I like just sort of the lack of straight lines and the upper half, and then we have these more straighter lines in the bottom. It's a good juxtaposition of straight and and uh, curvy, but like it, it, it sort of all fits really well together. Um, yeah, it's just a 
this is beautiful line work. Also, I'm really jealous of Pepe Larraz getting to draw all these cool images of all these X-Men characters. Like, this is a great intro to Magneto. And I didn't even show the intro to the twins, but even their intro is cool. Like yeah. this, Pepe Larraz really loves these characters and you can see that in how he draws them. Like he just seems to relish introducing these Marvel characters. And that's pretty great to see. From a comics reading perspective, like it's always awesome to see them introduce characters or like you know that are well established but with the prestige that comes with these like historical iconic marvel villains and superheroes yeah so like earlier i was talking about like um like how like um, and this might have been before the show but we were talking about like the um the way that like comics used to be written where they'd be like, I, Magneto, am going to walk through this door. But, like, here, this is modern, like, storytelling. Like, he never, yeah. like, he could very clearly say, I am Magneto. I am Charles Xavier's replacement here today. But, like, he doesn't do that here, which, no. is, which, is, which is really cool, so. Yeah, I, I will say, though, this one, as far as Hickman books go, this one is easier to follow the most, but still it never falls into the, uh, Chris Claremont way of writing things, um, mm -hmm. you know, like where it's just, you know, you see here the, you know, this is also, I mean, Clayton Cowles and the other letterer um, just doing a good job working with the composition in the negative space of, mm -hmm. of, of, of the artwork. And of course the artist is giving them negative space to work with so that these thought balloons don't, you know, invade these beautiful, uh, this beautiful composition and these beautiful lines and colors same here as well, you know? It's just, you know, Hickman knows not to crowd the panels. Mm -hmm. And uh, that this issue is very clear with that. He uses the infographics to be the exposition dumps. Yeah. And it makes sense because it's sort of like, as we'll learn, there's a reason for those that they're, for those exposition bumps, ex exposition dumps existing. Yeah, and um, so the next page is a double page. I know that like what you're showing here um, yeah. is not, but the next page is a double double page of the the flowers which is sort of like the the new designer drugs right are going to be used as leverage um yeah. which will play in but let's uh let's go ahead and go to the uh the the art pages that you had yeah next next would be um Jean gray's introduction again like you know contrast here with how he he presents magneto to how he presents gene gray both are very respective of the character and their origins mm -hmm. making it clear that he is the imposing still like warlord of the x-men universe and then uh oops gene gray is sort of the nurturing you know female figure of the of the x-men universe you know she's sort of the mother figure to everyone um you know, with how she, how doting she is upon these, these new X, these new mutants coming into the universe. Um, you see a little bit of the portals here. Um, this panel and then it following, I think was also gave me some creepy vibes because like Wolverine's too happy in this sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's sort of, I don't have the, the close up of him on his face. Cause again, cause I want people to go out and read the book themselves so that they can see his expression. But like it's almost too weird like this is almost like too eerie um like how happy and great everything is in an x-men book especially when wolverine is happy you know nothing can be good <laughs> yeah because it's um, like no something's up yeah 
Yeah, I'm looking at that right now, and uh, uh, you know that is that is not the Wolverine that we've been uh, we've been introduced to, and in sort of like the late '80s, '90s, uh, grim and gritty. Um, and I think we could also say that about the what you were talking about, where these flowers that we were seeing earlier these flowers that are being planted by everyone are the key to these medications, like this miracle medicine that they talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, always in a book, you always sort of like, okay, wait a minute, that kind of thing. When you have a, a medicine that gives life and cures like illnesses that should not be able to be cured instantly and things like that, you know, that's always a problem, whether it's something like, uh, you know, Soylent Green or something like that. That's You get the Soylent Green vibes from these flowers right off the bat where it's like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, this is what um, Xavier offers the world so that they recognize uh, Krakoa as a sovereign nation, but at the same time, it's almost too good to be true, everything that he's offering. Yeah, and so we've talked about, like, how uncomfortable this book has made us from, from the start. And yeah. I think... One of the one of the uncomfortable moments are is this Jean Grey. Like, which Jean Grey is this that we're seeing right here? Yeah, like, there's been so much playing with the X Men timeline, um, and Jean Grey herself is somebody who can like sort of come and go and manifest and and show up. Like, this is really uncomfortable seeing her in this outfit. You're like, yeah which Jean Grey is this because she's obviously caring and nurturing for for this young mutant. Um, and then we get this sort of glance uh, between her and um, Xavier. Um, but it's like, again, I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, I've been dumped into this strange timeline, the strange land and now I have characters that I'm not quite sure which character I'm seeing right now. So again, for a first issue to introduce so many questions and make me want to read more, make me want to figure out more, the introduction of this Jean Grey is, is, is one of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, A lot of questions here, especially when you have, um, you know, new design of Magneto's costume, but a throwback for Jean Grey. There's an incongruity here across yeah. the aesthetic. I like that sort of playing with the art style, using the art style, and then they're using um, uh, their their costumes are very reminiscent of um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Grant Morrison's X Men. Yeah, yeah, like the 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 big yellow X on theirs, and Wolverine's costume is sort of a newer design, of course, too. And then we'll see. Uh, we'll see that Cyclops has something that's very reminiscent of like uh, Astonishing X Men with Joss Whedon's sort mm-hmm. of costume. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, here's some more infographics of uh, the land of Krakoa. So you get, you know, Hickman's great graphic design using some data to tell the story. Emily would love this. <laughs> um, you know, you get some good lists here. This is just how committed. Uh, Hickman is to filling out this world. Um, you know, he's very detailed with all his storytelling and his world building. And uh, again, X-Men is already a complicated world in a larger, complicated Marvel universe. 
and then he just sort of added to it. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's pretty intense his uh, his world building. Yeah, and so there was a time when the X Men were like either exiled or located in Australia, and I'm trying to think if maybe there's a reason why um, they're so far away from the United States here in this. Yeah. Um, you know, he could have very easily put this in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, but he's he's moved them. Um, well, depending on which ocean you want to look at, uh, if you want to look at like traditionally like old school, like, you know, um, Europe to America, that sort of new world, like that was the main ocean. But he's he's put them. He's put them so far away from America right now. Um, I'm wondering if that's a deliberate choice or if that was just sort of a nod to the fact that at one point the X-Men were based um, out of Australia. It probably is. Hickman's a, a huge fan of these characters and he knows the shorthand of everyone. And he writes kind of like how Grant Morrison writes, mm-hmm. you know, where Grant Morrison's not someone to be like to, to crap on other people's, you know, storylines and things like that. Um, Hickman's not that way at all either. He just wants to tell a story. At least that's what I get from him when he, when he writes Marvel stuff, you know, he's completely fine with referencing everyone else's stories. He did that a lot in his infinity and, uh, secret wars stuff, you know? Yeah. No, he's like, uh, yeah, no, he's sorry, like, he's, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he's homaging the fact that they're based in Australia. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then, after this, we get this sort of, uh interlude here that uh i have to admit is is a bit confusing to me but uh yeah. i'd like to i'd like to hear your take on it yeah and um i i read a review where they they presume these guys are the antagonists okay. so i automatically i'm like no these guys are probably going to end up being the protagonists or at least sort of the middlemen that will help figure out what's going on with you know the house of x at this mm-hmm. point in time so this is a, a spaceship that's about to dock in this space station that's close to the sun right here. Um, and we get introduced to these characters. Again, not too much close-ups, but they're in AIM gear, if you can sort of see their helmet shape right there. Yeah, but I saw that. Yeah, they're a mix of AIM, sword, shield, alpha flight, and um, I can't remember what it is. But they're, uh, they are the um, Orcus protocols uh orcus is their agency name and they are doomsday uh they are doomsday sort of like uh i guess deterrent agency and um they have these greenhouses set up close to the sun on the space station uh which i like so i guess to talk about the art style here you get these very like you know warm colors and saturated colors here on krakoa contrasted by this interlude that's very cold and sort of monochromatic even when like you know you know like you get these very dark shadows and this like high contrast um like you know metallic colors uh earthy tones even when you get into the maybe someplace with more plant life you still get very like basic you know basic color schemes nothing very saturated uh still very machine oriented um yeah like i I, like you know very shadowy um so when you're going this hard into like making something seem like a villain i always sort of you know 
I always see that as being like, you know, they're trying to make it seem like a villain. They're probably not the villain, right? Yeah, when you overplay your sort of direction, like you're almost like winking at us, like, hey, I'm... I'm overplaying this. Like, look at how bad these guys are. And like, right. yeah, so there, there, there is a little bit of that right here. So I agree. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And um, yeah, you get these, you get to introduce these, uh, these scientist characters who will probably be the ones giving us the answers uh, through there, but you still get this cryptic dialogue from Hickman right here with the, you know, which is odd. I don't see any machines. I see no brothers. I see no sisters. Like, what What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, that's Hickman right there being like, I know everything and you don't um, in that dialogue. So that's annoying. But at the same time, again, it just makes you want to read more. Yeah. And like, so um, there's like a lot of cool imagery here, like uh, the, the really dark panel where they're, um, uh, sort of walking into the uh uh the 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 platform that looks a lot like aliens yeah it does yeah it really does yeah it's got a yeah it's got an event horizon alien aliens vibe and then when you get to this next panel you sort of get like that um sort of like elysium sort of yeah. uh, feel where it's you know spherical that you know um things are working really well you know we're, we're producing we we have everything under control so there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of cool imagery here that like um in your mind you see you see the, the these movies yeah and i we didn't give a spoiler warning at the head of it but here's a big spoiler right here about the space station that they're in. And it's basically a centrifuge all hovering around a giant sentinel head. And that's a sentinel head. I'm correct. Right. Yeah. And I did, I did give the spoiler at the, uh, okay, we did. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. You're you're free to, you're free to spoil, but yeah. Okay. I didn't give the coolest panel though of this. Again, that's something people really need to pick up the book and see the really cool art around this stuff. Like this is the wide shot. The close-up of this space station is spectacular. Um, and this is spectacular too, but the, the close-up's really the, the main panel on the page of the head on the, um, at the center of the centrifuge. Yeah, and this is like, this is really cool to like have something that's like steeped in the Marvel universe as far as like a character. But this is very much like that like Kirby celestial being that's just sort of like out there in space but this is one that's like a little bit of this a little bit of that put together that's that's floating out there in space and it's just like you know like you know like i said it's just like two things being put together that are at the end of the day there are two things that are very much kirby but they're like yeah put together for for like a new thing so this is yeah this is this is pretty awesome and then we'll, we'll probably need to talk more about Kirby's influence, of course, because this, you know, this, we're in the age of Kirby homage, you know, uh, Kirby's never been more popular and more in the mind's eye, you know, in the public's eye and stuff like that. And basically the last line of this book is a nod to Kirby. So this yes. is, uh, you know, this is uh, Kirby's, his hand is very, you know, it's like, is incredibly like, you know, uh, clear on this book. So let um, me ask you a question right here. Um, so this has been a very X-Men centric book to this point. 
Yeah. Um, pretty soon we're going to see some Marvel characters and some Marvel characters that Hickman has, has written before. But how is something of this size floating in space and let's just say Tony Stark doesn't know that this is here? Like, yeah. Do you think any of that will be answered in House of X, or do you think, or powers of uh, powers of uh, powers of X? I think people are calling it powers of ten, but um, like, oh. how much do you think that like we're going to get more Marvel universe um, connections here? Because I have to think that Tony Stark would have to know that this is out here um, orbiting. Um, you know, in, in near space. Um, so we might get a little bit of that um, later on, but uh, so far we haven't, but what what do you think about that? I think so. I think they know about it just because of the, the Orcus, their organization is comprised of so many different organizations. Like, mm-hmm. you know, aim and shield are constantly at each other's throats throughout the Marvel mythos, you know, but in this case they're working together. You know, like their their org- this organization is like a an amalgamation of all the major organizations in the Marvel universe. So I'm guessing we're gonna start to see how this affects maybe the Marvel universe at large. And I think what happens next sort of confirms that. Yeah, but this isn't just confined to X Men. This is a Marvel event as much as it is an X Men event. Yeah. So the next page is another um, huge two-page infograph um but people no that's fine people people should pick up the book for that but uh then we're introduced to um some more mutants yeah some doing the 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 holy trilogy i guess like you know the holy trinity of the brotherhood if yeah i mean you know you know like uh you've got mystique um saber tooth and the toad Mm -hmm. you know the classics yeah, uh, robbing damage control, which is another way of just showing how far reaching this storyline is that like now we've every uh, major agency in the Marvel universe is represented within three pages of each other. So, yeah, no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is sort of like a classic high scene that we, we see for, for a couple of pages. Um um, but, uh, I think, uh, I think the, the, the big thing is, is who shows up to, to stop this. So do you have, do yeah. you have a slide for this? Oh yeah. Yep. Such a killer, killer half page, uh, panel right there of, uh, the thing and Johnny descending upon the, the three brotherhood members. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great action sequence of them. And then, um, this is a list of security item levels, I guess, at uh, damage control. Showing again, like this is sort of an all-encompassing. We don't know what they stole from damage control. Well, actually, no, sorry, we do know. They stole Soul's Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, then I guess we cut back after this reveal. We cut back and we see more of what Krakoa entails, which they sort of all this, you know, Magneto explains it's you no know, distance or, uh, you know, elevation. Or, you know, um, I guess, environment, that's what they say. Yeah. So, like, you get this cool, again, exploring uh, Krakoa, seeing what's all going on there. Um, You get these beautiful colors, this beautiful line work. Um, Again, pick up the issue because this is just a slight 
preview of what all is in that book. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's these great visuals right here. Um, but then, yes, Fantastic Four show up to help wrap up the fight on with the Brotherhood members. Um, they capture Sabretooth, but um, Mystique and Toad are able to get through the portal to Krakoa, where they are sort of granted asylum from the outside world. Um, yeah, uh, this is, uh, I'm not, I'm behind. I only read the first issue of Dan Slott's new Fantastic Four, so I don't know how they got back. But I think this might be Hickman reclaiming what he did to them, where he was like, you know, I, I was the one who got rid of them originally for a while. Yeah. Now I'm, he gets to sort of have a part now in bringing them back into the universe. Um, yeah, so um, strangely enough, um, the, the Secret War... Uh, Secret Wars that Hickman did uh, before he left Marvel, that sort of jettisoned the the Fantastic Four out of the Marvel U, and uh, Dan Slott did bring them back, and they've been back for for a little bit. I'm a little bit behind on on that as well, but I do think it's cool that uh, sort of Hickman's first like real Marvel work was Fantastic Four. I mean, he did a little bit of Secret Warriors with with Bendis, uh, but like his first like solo like um, title was Fantastic Four. So um, to have them be the 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 first like Marvel characters that we see that are not mutants, not X Men that that enter this are uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool to see that. Um, I like uh, I like everyone. I like the new costumes, the blue and the black. Um, it's pretty cool. I like the fanta- I like this panel of all of them together. Um, and then uh, I like that uh, Cyclops. You get to see him in his new costume, which is also blue and black, but also very reminiscent of uh, sort of the John Cassidy uh, Astonishing X Men costume. Yeah, and, and Cyclops has been off the board for a while, so oh, really? I, I need to figure out how how he's back. I know that he's back, but I, I don't know exactly how, how he got back. Um, Another character Hickman wrote into a weird place. Yeah. I, but, like, you know, he gave it, him the Phoenix Force at the beginning of Secret Wars. Correct. Hey, if you can you go back one panel? Yeah. Do you think um, at any uh editorial um sort of advice that they made um mr fantastic look like uh jim from the office i wonder yeah because he uh he's he's got that look there yeah he's definitely got the uh, what's his name john krasinski uh the quiet place beard going on right there yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's sort of a, a a wink or a nod to all of those people who have um, been putting uh, pictures pictures up of uh, uh, of John as as Mister Fantastic, but uh, I did notice yeah. that there. That's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, I was just more thinking like, oh, I like Mister Fantastic with the beard more than anything. I was like, I just sort of like it when uh, super dudes grow out their beards. It's pretty cool. Um, I like, uh, I like how these guys are drawn. I like this little detail on the fantastic car right here. He's got like a serial numbers or, uh, directions, or maybe that's just shading right there on the edge of that little circle. Um, 
that Sue's standing on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this book is just a great, just great to look at. Even if I, I think I'll revisit it just to look at the artwork in it. It's, it's, it's pretty great. And if this is what the artwork's going to be like throughout the 20 issues or whatever, I'm, I'm really happy about it. I, uh, yeah, but, but Cyclops is, is acting weird throughout this whole interaction with them. Um, he's trying to be diplomatic, but he's almost like, again, he's almost too happy, you know, too peaceful almost. Um, and that leads to this sort of confrontation there. He wants to take Sabretooth back to Krakoa, but Reed sort of smells something fishy going on because he wants to keep Sabretooth in New York. Um, and that leads to this confrontation, which I think is a really great page. I don't have it all on here again. It's just a good page. People yeah. can buy the issue. Um, uh, of this great uh, showdown between Reed and, uh, and Scott is probably my favorite part of the book. I just sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, there's, there's, this, there's this timing. There's this uh, pace that, that's sort of slow and suspenseful throughout this whole confrontation where it's sort of like who's going to make the first move and then Cyclops just backs off. Mm-hmm. And um, then we go into uh, what basically Cyclops's last words are. He's like, he says, uh, tell Franklin he's welcome, you know, like, or something like that. Or like, you know, Franklin, uh, Franklin should join us in Krakoa since he's a mutant. Um, and then you get this great infographic of all the mega, powered mutants on the table in this series Mm -hmm. at least i'm hoping that's what it is um but i think the ones that are the most interesting and the ones that might be the most threatening are like david holler who's unknown you know what his affiliation is Mm -hmm. or um or like you know absalon um mr m you know and of course franklin richards i'm really interested to see how all those characters are going to be or even exodus like you know, what are those characters, you know, what are they, what's up with them, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, two things here, and we talked about this a little bit earlier and we don't, we don't have a, we don't have a slide for this, but, um, we did, uh, previous to the podcast, we did talk about, um, the way that, uh, Sue is looking at Cyclops. Um, Right after after he shows up and um you know um a little bit of that is like you want to draw the female form to be appealing but like she's obviously showing him um you know her feminine wiles there yeah um but franklin can't be a mutant if he's got two like his powers didn't manifest as like a normal mutant's powers would manifest because he's, he's, he's always had those powers. So there's a little bit of like, I mean, he's an Omega, Omega level threat because of what he can do, but he's not really a mutant. So like, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I don't know either. And I think, you know, I don't think they're going to try to be playing it up that Cyclops is Franklin's father or anything. No, no, no. Um, and we talked about like, maybe I think, I think Pep, Pepe Larraz drew Sue in sort of that flirty stance to maybe make uh, uh, the tension between Scott and Reed even more strong. 
mm-hmm. than it was already. Like, you know, there was, of course, the, the like, who's going to get Sabretooth, who's going to take him to justice, of course. But I think also adding, like, the Reed's very threatened easily. And so is Scott. Scott and Reed are, like, you know, very insecure men. So any kind of, like, threat to their manliness, like, especially if there's a woman involved, means that they're instantly going to be at odds with each other. So I'm wondering if that was sort of maybe the psychology he was drawing on. Well, it could be more flirty. I don't know. Well, well, to Reed's defense, he's he's had to deal with this whole Namor thing for like yes, fifty exactly. years or so. So he's yeah. he's 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 pretty much always on the defensive. Um, well, he's got Namor. Silver Surfer's tried to get with Sue. Uh, someone more recently, even before Secret Wars, was trying to get with Sue as well. I can't remember who it was. Um, a lot of people have tried. Yeah. Yeah, and this yeah. might just be a ploy um, by uh, Cyclops to sort of say, look, he's not a mutant, but he's sort of on the level of, like, hope or... Right. Um, or or Legion or somebody yeah. like that, you know? So, like, if you're not careful, we can sort of, li- in, we can sort of li- uh, coax him over to our side and be right. like, look you're not a mutant, but you're, you're pretty close to a mutant. Why don't you, why don't you come over here where people would understand you better? So he's sort of, he's sort of playing that card a little bit there to sort of put them um, in an uncomfortable position. So I I think that's more what he's trying to do right there. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. Um, But uh yeah, I'm interested to see if they'll, they'll, they'll delve into Franklin Richards because he's an interesting character and that not a lot of people do a lot with. I mean, like, you know, there's been great stuff done with him. There has been a lot done with him, but, like, not as much as other characters. Same with, like, he's on the same level as someone like Legion, you know, where it's sort of like you know about him, but, like, there haven't been, like, long-running storylines about the characters that last for a long time and really flesh out the characters. Um. But uh, moving on, we go back and uh, we find out that the ambassadors aren't who they seem in a very, I think this is very Hickman-esque right here. These like different character moments, you Mm -hmm. know, where you get this dialogue about them. We even went over a couple of pages like that on our podcast where we like, you know, he does these like, like he even does it like in this sort of format where it's like these pillars of these characters and then you get like this info about them either through dialogue or through narration or an infograph or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this is very, I, I don't know, this is very iconic Hickman right here. I think where you get these three characters and you get their backgrounds, you see who's going to, who's going to agree with Xavier, who's not going to agree with Xavier. And um, yeah, I, I really liked this and it, it sort of made me smile because I was like, Oh yeah, this is Hickman writing. So, you know, like at one point you might be caught up in the story and then like Hickman's like, Oh, remember I'm writing this. So, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's pretty great. It's sort of, yeah. uh, uh, it's in what's weird about this is like, uh, it's almost the reverse of the show. Don't tell rule. This is the tell don't show, um, sort of thing where the, the telepath has sort of invaded everybody's mind and is and sort of uh, telling us what's happening, uh, which is 
like I said, this is a really cool sort of flip on that show don't tell uh, rule. Yeah. And that's where I think uh, Snyder and Hickman really intersect in how they write. Zack Snyder does, sorry, not Zack Snyder, sorry. Scott Snyder (laughs) does very similar stuff in his books. Uh, Most recently, I I just finished reading um, last night and he does this as well, but he does it in the info dump of like Batman figuring something out and he just sort of explains it so that like he can let people know, oh, I've got this figured out and then like, you know, get the reaction out of the criminal and stuff like that or explain it to someone who doesn't understand what's going on. Hickman writes it very similarly in his books from what I like what I've seen, you know. Where he'll have these moments where like, oh, this character is doing this, this character is doing that. Because he's explaining it, one character is explaining it to a character that may not be privy to what's been going on, you know. Um, But in a way that doesn't feel like a complete exposition dump, it plays on the character's abilities and it plays on sort of uh, what the other characters do and don't know. Yeah, and if you're a telepath, like this is sort of like the... uh the sort of trump card you can play on everybody at yeah. the end. That's like, you know, uh, we're, we're roughly, I'm going to guess we're roughly 25, 30 pages in. And yeah. she's probably had the read on these guys and, and this lady uh, since the beginning. Um, but this is just sort of like, you guys, I knew this the whole time and I'm revealing it now. So that like, if you're a telepath, you can, you can do these sort of things. Yeah, definitely. And this has also been, uh, you know, these, these, uh, these two, these twins have been sort of, uh, emissaries of Magneto, mm-hmm. you know, they are loyal to him, I think before anyone. So she wanted them to get, he wanted to get a read on all of these people and he knew the best way to do that was through them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he wanted to show them everything just so he could get their reactions. And, um, then, of course, in typical Magneto fashion, he goes on his, you know, he does a full Magneto thing. I love this, these two panels right here. Yeah. Um, I cut out some of the middlemen. Again, it's just, it's a great sequence. Love this, uh, the, uh, love the, um, uh, pers- uh, the perspective drawing right here of the gun being taken apart and split into its, you know, it's all its little pieces. Uh, great lines. And then, of course, love the drama right here of the sun you know, casting uh, these, like these almost lens flares behind Magneto as he's approaching this guy. And then he's about to give his grand, you know, warlord speech about how inferior the human race is and how, you know, the only choice humanity has at this point is to kneel before the, the oncoming rate, the oncoming, uh, you know, uh, supermen that will dominate the earth. Uh, it's, it's a, I don't know, just great drama in these two panels right here. Yeah, and that takes us into to our last page. Um, and this is the, the very last panel um, where we get that sort of last sort of statement, or this is a statement in this case, but sometimes it's a cliffhanger, but this is sort of like the WTF moment, like, Right. Boom. We've been dropped here and the issues over where, where Magneto drops the, uh, the, the caption, uh, that, that you have new gods now. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think about this? How this wraps up? Oh, I thought it was great drama to end on, you know, it's, it's what, you know, X-Men is such a philosophical book 
you know, about humanity and uh, where, you know, how we interact with each other and how, mm-hmm. like, you know, who do we hold into as esteem and things like that, you know? Um, Magneto wants mutants to be seen as gods. Xavier wants us to be seen as just the next step in evolution, you know? Uh, you know, there's this introspective, uh, you know, science fiction that X-Men is, you know, it's, it's, it's along the lines of something like Philip K. Dick more than it is like fantasy or something like that, where it's about exploring who we are, like using science fiction to ask a question about us as humanity. So to end with a statement like this, which is so philosophically charged, Mm -hmm. you know, is perfect for X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool that like Magneto is the one that delivers it because if you think about that whole um, Eric, Charles dynamic for, for years, like for, for him to be the one that finally is able to sort of be like, um, you know, we're superior to you. Um, right. Sets up a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going forward. Uh, you know, if Charles gave this, we've sort of been like, Oh man, what, what, what happened to Charles? But with this, we're just like, this is, this is Magneto. This is what Magneto does. Yeah. Um, but we still, we're, we still have so many questions as to like, what is, what is Charles doing here with these, these flowers, these drugs? And is he, what has made him come around to Magneto's sort of viewpoint on all of this? Yeah. And, why does Magneto get to speak for Xavier in this moment? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a great way to end uh, the first issue on a philosophical note that raises a lot of questions about where the story is going to go from here. Um, I wanted to talk. I don't I don't know how Pepe Larraz does his artwork, but I love the texture in his work. I love these lines, mm-hmm. these this cross hatching, and then mixed with the the, the screen tone mm-hmm. as well. It's just great texture in his inks, um, and they get great colors. I love the colors on this. Um, but yeah, it was a great issue. Uh, and then of course we have the lineup for what's coming up next. And this is going to be pretty, you know, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Like, I think, know. uh, every, every week we alternate between house of X and, and powers of 10 or, or powers of X. I'm not sure if I, if I know which way that those are being, um, sort of, uh, pronounced, but, uh, I've heard them both ways, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be what, uh, 12 weeks of uh, action and, and storytelling here. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I hope they do a collection afterwards of both series and like, you know, one hardcover or something like that. Like one where they, 12 issue. Where they put them in order. Like, yeah. In order, like in yeah. Between, yeah. I um, like that. I'm hoping they do that. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably not, I'll probably wait until we get a confirmation if that's going to happen or not um, to double dip and buy a trade or something like that. Um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm, I'm on board from here on out. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think that this was like, uh, this was almost like a, an event without yeah. it being an event. Like there was not the, well, I mean, there was, uh, I'm going to assume like, three, four months ago, there was like all of the uh, promo material that like Hickman is coming back. And then, uh, you know, there was speculation, what is it going to be? And then we, we found out that it was going to be 
it was going to be a uh, an X Men book, but this is this is an event uh, yeah. without sort of all of like the the event hype to it. So, but this is going to have a lot of implications in the in the Marvel universe. Yeah, and um, I'm just happy to see an event that isn't too complex. You know, you just have to read two series is really great. This isn't something that's going to be intersecting with every X Men book, so you have to pick up every single X Men series to know what's going on. Um, unlike something like, say, uh, like Avengers No Surrender mm-hmm. or like the worst of the worst, um, and I like it, but like Secret Empire, you know. Where like if you read just the main series, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, like correct. you have to be reading every series that ties into it. This will be more along the lines of something like Dark Knight's Metal, you know, where you could read it just the main series and get a good story about it, and then everything else is supplementary, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm hoping in like and Hickman did this already with Secret Wars, where like you can read the Secret Wars event. And it's a great graphic novel on its own, you know? Mm -hmm. And then of course you have all the tie in books, which are great as well, but like you don't have to read those to know the main storyline of what that event is. So yeah, I'm happy that they're bringing Hickman on just to do what he does best with with events. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, I feel like we've, we've covered this issue um, pretty good. So uh, I think we're going to, we're going to bring it to a close here um but uh i think we're both in agreement that we're we're pretty excited um pretty uh pretty much ready to to find out what's going to happen happen next so um, i'd like to thank everybody uh for listening to us um and if they want to give us a follow on social media we are on twitter at construct com pod we are on instagram at Constructing Comics, I'm sorry, at Constructing Comics Pod, and we are on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics, and we also have a YouTube channel under the same name, and we're going to put a a video up for uh, this presentation because this presentation was pretty uh, visual heavy with what we went through, Um, so anybody who wants to see what we were were talking about, visit that YouTube channel to, to see that. Um, and I'll have links to all of that stuff in our show notes. Um, but I'd like to thank everybody for listening and we'll be back, uh, very soon with a, uh, another episode.